Hey guys, this is Paper in Pain. I'm Steve. And I'm Christian. Uh, good evening, everyone. How are you? Good evening. I have a secret to share, a confession to make. And okay, go ahead. I kind of feel that I won't be the only one making this confession. Maybe it will resonate with you, Steve, and maybe some of our listeners as well. More you. been thinking a lot about how my social circle's been expanding recently. I've been mm-hmm. doing my best to reach out to people uh, beyond my co-workers, trying to go on events, uh, make some new friends and connections. But mm-hmm. deep inside, I am an extrovert who's pretending to be an introvert, pretending to be an extrovert. Let me explain. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (laughs) I'm the dude disguised as a dude playing a dude. Uh, I I need an infographic. The way it manifests in my head is I love being around people. Uh, Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we did a pretty huge thing, uh, which was the UX Plus conference, uh, where I spoke in front of 2,000 people. If any of you discovered this podcast from UX Plus from the Philippines, thank you. Welcome to Paper and Pain. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Uh, And I realized that I really love being around other human beings. As much as... Well, anybody else. I mean, we're all social creatures Mm -hmm. one way or the other. But at the same time, I need to make a lot of effort to make myself get get out of my bed, get out of the office, get out of home, and socialize. Whether it's going to design meetups Mm -hmm. uh, or just like casual catch-ups or any events that are not design-related. Okay, yeah, that sounds pretty much like how you're supposed to do. Basically, you need to get yourself out from bed, get yourself out from the house. Yes. But here is the thing, and here is the problem. Mm -hmm. In modern day and age, in 2023, you can still fly below radars. You can be off-grid completely. And I know of many talented designers, creatives, engineers, Mm -hmm. uh, people who are not online at all, people who are not there uh, at any of the events, and people who don't really care about any of that. They have very small, narrow social circles, and they are totally fine with it. They're doing great jobs. They do amazing things. 
the very few of them, at the very least, that those that I would know personally. And what is so different about them is that they are the, the true introverts. These are the people uh, who don't really want to be around others. And they are making the most of their life, you know, appreciating and embracing tiny little things uh, within the small social circles, and they're not looking outwards. Mm -hmm. But the majority of people that I get to hang out with, and I think, like, you you would, of all people, you would know it really well, because you are Mm -hmm. there for, like, 80% of the events that I attend, (laughs) whether it's because we're synchronized or because we just show up at the same event. I have no idea. You just... (laughs) I I start to wonder whether you're actually stalking on me. You know, it's like on the design event. I didn't even thought you were going to be there. Uh, maybe it's because you're sharing your calendar with me. Oh God! Did ah. I? I need to check. I need to go in and check my permission. A lot of people that attend those events with us, they uh, they kind of feel like they're still a little afraid of Mm -hmm. going out and socializing. So they would stay away. They would stick to the corners, maybe try and find one familiar face. And if they can't, they'd be just walking around, you know, get a couple LinkedIn contacts and then just go home as early as possible. But Mm -hmm. again, we know that a lot of us are doing this because the expectation is that you as a designer would have a public profile. And we can see that those public profiles have actually evolved over the ages. We're not just talking about a landing page with your credentials. We're now talking about portfolios with case studies, talking about newsletters, subscribe to the Accessibility Apprentice. We're Mm -hmm. talking about podcasts, subscribe to paper and pain we're talking about all sorts of things that you are supposed to do online in order to gain some traction in order to build connections uh in for a lot of people this is incredibly uncomfortable so my question is can you as a designer uh especially a novice designer, someone, you know, who's only getting started with design and does not really have anyone to connect with, succeed in your profession if you are socially awkward, if you are introverted, if you don't really want to go out and socialize and mingle with people that you don't know, if you don't want to attend five events every single week and you just want to live your life quietly the way you want to live it can you still build a successful career and will it still be possible say 10 years from now okay i have a question for you shoot um you just said that you are an extrovert trying to be like you're coated an introvert (laughs) and try to be extrovert or maybe the other way around but okay on your self-definition, do you consider yourself as introvert or extrovert designer? I like to think that there's very few instances of 
black and white things in general. Uh, a lot of things are usually on the spectrum, right? So uh, I wouldn't say that, again, that I would know anyone who would be, you know, a purely extroverted or a purely introverted person. There's still a little bit of, a little bit of both in, in all of us. I am an extrovert. I don't feel comfortable by myself. I don't like it and I do want to be around people. But the the awkwardness, the anxiety is there. So occasionally I find it to be an effective um, and efficient defense mechanism of sorts. When I pretend to be an extrovert, an introverted person who doesn't want to socialize, but secretly yeah. I do. I want to be around people, but I just don't mm -hmm. know how. Like, imagine there's an event and you know absolutely no one. And you show up and you have no idea what to do. You've never been to any of those events before it's not the same design circles that you would encounter say in 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 singapore if you go to like product design events mm -hmm. so how do you how do you how do you do it like where do you begin you show up there and it's so awkward and it's so weird you don't know where to go you don't know any of those people you don't know the rules of engagement so mm -hmm. eventually Uh, on many occasions, you panic uh, and you go home. And next time, when you get an invitation in your inbox, you just say, well, guess I'm an introvert. I don't want to go anywhere. I'm fine all by myself. This experience was too traumatizing, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I think you might be over-exaggerating a little bit thing just now, but... Uh, I hear you. What I can tell you is, uh, okay, you know, yesterday I went to National Design Center and I realized from your Instagram story post, you were also somewhere nearby at National Library. Uh, basically, uh, Yeah, I was I was at the library. Uh, there was a diversity panel. And yes, I saw that. Meanwhile, I was in National Design Center. I was there trying to look for some familiar faces, but unfortunately there were not any familiar faces at all. So what I did is I just go there, pick up a seat where there is on, there's nobody occupying that row. So I just pick up a seat and uh, I intentionally pick up a seat so that behind me on the left and the right, on the other row, there are actually two other girls. I believe they are also designers, maybe designer or design profession they are talking about there. And Well, because they're just like behind me, so they're talking about something like product design, or and then I use that as as a topic. So I just turn around and tell them, "I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just overheard a bit that you're talking about product design, and well, I'm also the product designer." So th that's how I started the conversation with them, and it turned out to be they are really friendly, and we became friends. We even hand out a little while after the event. So. I don't. I mean, you were asking about how how do you start a conversation? How do you start to build up the rapport? I guess that is how you do it. I guess the 
idea of strategically placing yourself uh, between uh, groups of people and then trying to join either one of those groups at a social event is a good one because, I mean, Uh yeah, we do expect some animosity from uh, unfamiliar groups. It is normal human behavior. But at design events specifically, but in general at events that you would attend, uh, people are generally pretty friendly. It is an easy thing to say, right? It's easier said than done. I've encountered a lot of instances when I would try to reach out and I would try to do some small talk and introduce myself and maybe, you know, get a few words out of the other person. But uh, as Gen Z puts this these days, uh, there's no vibe. We're not vibing. Goodness, (laughs) I feel so old right now. Uh, and you just move on. What? I, I, I'm older than you, okay. <laughs> Age is just a number. It's the. What are you talking it's, about? It's, it's the vibes, right, that we're hearing. But no, it's, yeah, yeah. Don't seriously yeah, though. Sorry, got that. I I guess you know showing up at the event is one of the toughest things that you can do. It's like half the job, making yourself mm-hmm. get yeah. out, go out and socialize is the toughest mm-hmm. task it is much harder than actually you know uh make some friends because you yeah you, the first step is always most difficult exactly you set yourself a goal to connect with three new people right at an event mm-hmm. and then you never know who those people would be and you know maybe you're going to make some good friends maybe you'll be people that you would start some business venture with or they would help you land a job right or maybe there's no agenda you just you just hang out you just exchange your your contact info and all but f- making yourself get out of home and go to those events this is tough now i'm going to bring up an example i was talking to a friend of mine who uh moved to Singapore a little over a year ago and he is still very anxious because he's rather shy uh, nothing bad about this he's just not really in uh, you know a, a loud person in general he's rather quiet but he's also very conscious of his uh, language skills the way he puts it and he thinks that because his English is not good enough People would not want to communicate with him. So he doesn't go out. What would you recommend to that guy? Well, um, well, both of us, we know that to learn a language, the best way to learn language is by using it. And yeah, you got to use that as a tool to communicate. I mean, that's how language supposed to be so i mean I, okay maybe you can actually use some apps like you know their duolingo there just try to imitate how you interact with the native speaker but i mean if you really got the chance to to attend some like language corner those weekend event i think that will going to be even it's that's going to be way better than just stuck in a house and playing with your phone on the app or learning by yourself. Um, yes, introvert can be 
it, it will be more challenging for introvert and extrovert to go out and talk to people. But I mean, if you are thinking you are introvert and you acknowledge and accept the fact you are introvert, find a way that you're comfortable with. I mean, you can also learn that from a, a language learning app or just go to library or study the grammar. In the end, you still gain something, but maybe that may not be the best way overall. But that that might be the best way for you, as in, it's a it's a more personalized plan. That would work if the issue that we're solving is the actual language barrier, right? If you need to overcome、mm-hmm. this, and if you are at a state where you can't communicate, and well, clearly、mm-hmm. there are occasions when people would. Not be capable of,、uh, you know, using the language to communicate properly because they're not at that level yet. You know, there's language groups for it, just like you said. There's language apps you can use all of that. But I guess in this case and in many other cases, what I encounter and what I'm trying to deal with myself is the situation when、uh, we are using those excuses. And I can't find a better word for it. It's an excuse that I use,、uh, speaking for myself, to justify the fact that my social awkwardness is actually、uh, in charge.、Mm-hmm. So I do want to go out, but I need to come up with an excuse to not to give in to it. No, exactly.、Uh... I need to. I need to give in. To my awkwardness, and I need to give it、uh-huh. a valid excuse, something that you know my inner self will not be able to、uh-huh. beat. And I say, "Hey, I cannot communicate with the others because my English is bad." Like, okay, it, it is not that bad. It is not as bad as you know to prevent you from, at the very least, introducing yourself and maybe exchanging your your contact info. You know, a few words that would lead a long way, and maybe you'd find someone who speaks other languages that you know. You know,、mm-hmm. you never know, right? Yeah. So it is an excuse that we make because we need to justify the fact that although we do want to step over the fear and the anxiety,、uh, mm-hmm. we're not strong enough yet. Okay, what I know is,、uh, you study Hebrew during your university, yeah, right. And what happened to you the first time when you tried to go out there and talk to people in Hebrew? I mean, talking to Jews. Oh, do you still、uh, remember what happened? The story. I do. I do. In were you nervous? There was a couple of of really interesting occasions when. Because、uh, the essence of the course, because it's a four-year bachelor, so f- for four years straight, you'd be learning and practicing the language to a point where,、uh, on my third year, I I already got a C two, like I reached the the advanced level. I went to Jerusalem. I passed the exams there. So. Uh, mm-hmm. I was by the time I got there, I was pretty pretty well educated already. But、uh, on my second year, when my、mm-hmm. language skills were pretty much non-existent yet, <laughs>、uh, 
I do remember stumbling upon a group of people uh, that, like, I heard they were they were talking in Hebrew, and I I just approached them in the middle of the street, and and I just said hi, a few words or a few phrases. Then yeah, we switched to English, and it went from there. But the funny thing was that when people heard me, you know, trying to communicate with them in the native language in this case yeah it is a rare language so people don't really use it that much you won't really come across anyone who would know it uh the the connection that you build immediately uh is rather strong and people will not be judging you yeah. in fact no one will be judging you in here if you show up at a design event and you come from afar you are yeah. self-conscious you having uh you know a language a language barrier that is psychological in nature so you mm-hmm. are yet to overcome it people will not gonna judge your grandma people will not gonna nitpick on the prepositions and being like oh why is he using present continuous here he's supposed to be using past perfect like, yes no one no exactly. one cares about your accent nobody cares about how you pronounce words as long as you make yep. yourself clear you are there to be yourself yeah i think that's a very good example think about this uh, this is what we always said um, find the common language you're speaking and there you can build a better rapport as fast as you can. So the language itself is actually a metaphor. It's not just the language language. It can be things that share in common. So as you said, if for example, if you're coming to, like for example, if you don't even know me before and you can approach me, but instead of speaking English, starting with some Chinese. Even so, the Mandarin setting can be really crappy, can be really weird sound intonation all around, but somehow I still get what you try to say. And it sounds friendly. I mean, then I would think, okay, that's impressive because not many people want to learn the most difficult language in the world and Chinese being one of it. I'm pretty sure there's no doubt for that. And because the common language you start to build rapport. And this language can also be a certain design skills or it can be a design industry you're working on or maybe even the same or similar client you're working on. But to know that, you need to know first what kind of language the people you want to approach to speak. It, it can be, yeah, if I need to approach to someone in a design conference, I want to learn more about them. Yeah, but the only way to start learning more about them is to find out what kind of language you're speaking. Then from there, you start to find a common shared knowledge and then there's a chain reaction after that. And I think the same pretty much applies to since uh, we're talking about finding, you know, a common ground to... Mm -hmm. Not only the language that you speak, but also the skills that you bring to the table, the kind of personality that you radiate, uh, your vibes. Uh, You are a unique human being, right? You are beautiful as you are. And these are the things I keep repeating over and over. I keep 
like I feel like a hypocrite sometimes because I too have to overcome those fears over and over and every time it is challenging to get out to to force myself to get out to to overcome those fears and just accept the fact that uh it doesn't matter whether other people at the event for instance are more experienced than I am doesn't matter whether they they've been friends forever and they all know each other and I'm you know uh the 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 alien that just shows up the middle of, of of the thing and just you know disrupts the 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 energy field uh it doesn't matter whether i speak the language as in uh a language or a jargon because again i bring something unique to the picture as well and they might be interested in learning my perspective they might be interesting in, interested in who i am as a person so i would say that uh when it comes to people who do want to expand their social circles but have doubts uh or are not making moves and then you know this obviously regret that comes into picture because at the end of the day you know that you're missing lots of opportunities and you keep blaming yourself for not doing enough but then the next opportunity comes in and you find another excuse for not doing anything again uh to them the only thing i can say and it's the same advice that i give myself don't overthink it if you do yeah. want to make new friends you do want to make connections in you have doubts about anything try because as my therapist asks me all the time what's the worst thing that's going to happen and the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to show up at an event you're not going to find anyone that you would vibe with goodness i feel so old again and you're going to go home <laughs> and you're going to look forward to attending another one either way and, y- y- and you're regretting i that that's that's a good question what is worthy of regret uh mm. doing something and not getting much out of it or not doing anything at all and then thinking what you could have actually gotten out of it and i think you know not doing anything is not really a good strategy but there's no, not this is only when it comes to you know physical events when it comes to going out socializing in real life you know embracing your mm-hmm. extrovert is you know uh, not trying to to come off as someone who doesn't need anyone how about the digital world now you are uh, a community activist you are one mm-hmm. of the uh members of the friends of figma committee you've been around the design community for for a while longer than myself uh how <laughs> did you get into it uh oh uh, well it it started with more like a takeover thing you know our common friend previously he left the job 
as in the community advocate, and I just kind of take over. I mean, I don't mind it. It's actually started with somewhere beginning of this year, and probably the end of the last year, and I gradually realized one thing is, um,、uh, I've been in this industry for a while now, for a few years, and I feel it's obligated to contributing back to the society, the community itself. I mean,、hmm. and the best way to do that is try to engage as much as I can,、hmm. and. My friend told me before that I am very、um, influencing, and they like the way how I storytelling my ideas, and most of the time they enjoy hanging out with me. So I think that's like it can be, you can you can take it as a gift if you want. So it's a it's a personality I can actually make use of, and without worrying myself too much about it, and yeah. So signing up. It went all well until now. So good. Was it? Was it? Was it hard? Like emotionally, was it tough? Because it's not just you know,、uh, going out or、uh, you know, producing online content. It is being、mm-hmm. there in the spotlight, at the forefront. You know, running events,、uh, reaching out to people. Organizing things、uh, must be a lot of stress. Must be a lot of you know challenging situations when you, as a person who'd rather、mm-hmm. hang out with cats、uh, than another human being, <laughs> you are placing yourself in the middle、uh-huh. of this huge group and you, you and you leading it.、Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. I. Yes, there for sure there will be challenges there, but I really foresee the challenges, and yeah, so prepare for any challenges that may potentially be there. So you won't be surprised when the challenges are there. So that, emotionally, it's、practice. not draining you, is it? It's not really. It's not really. I, I mean, physically it can be tiring, but emotionally I'm really happy. Okay. Okay. Let me let me let me ask you a question then. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, within the community, we understand the value of staying together. We understand the value of being there for each other, supporting each other, and all. But do you think that being a part of the community is something that is necessary to become,、uh, say, a successful designer to build a career in the? Creative industry.、Um, that's a very good question. Being part of the community is that a necessary step to be career successful? Right? Is that what you're asking? I'm trying to understand if、uh, it's at all possible to, you know, not have any digital presence whatsoever, and still build a good career as a designer in. Twenty twenty three. Again, I know a lot of seasoned designers, a lot of like mature designers, been doing it for like a few decades,、uh, and some of them don't even have like a LinkedIn or a Facebook account. But as someone who's just joining the、uh, the industry, is it critical to first of all be a member of the community and keep working on expanding your social circles? And second,、uh, to 
be the creator of, and I don't like the word content, but uh, to be to build your own community of sorts, you know, even a small one. What do you think? Um, I would say it's not compulsory, but if you don't want to do that, you might lose a lot of really good opportunities out there. Um, I mean, of course, you can always focus in on your crafting skills, and. Basically, just like shut yourself up in the little cabin and craft your stuff until it's like it's like perfectly polished. But this is gonna take years, and we used to do that in the history because historically we didn't have the chance, we didn't have the luxury to be connected so much as we are now. And I mean, advancing of technology. It really helps convenience everyone in terms of connectedness, so you can actually make use of the connectedness to advocate, to build a stronger relationship. But traditionally, the craftsmanship is always there, and I would say this actually the 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 cornerstone of it. It's the the foundation. Um, you can focus on the foundation, but. If you want to build a very nice architecture, definitely you're gonna work more on the superstructure rather than the substructure. I'm not trying to, again, uh, judge anyone. I'm just sharing my perspectives. Uh, I've come to a realization that I personally cannot grow as a designer. If I don't stay really close to the people that I design for, and I don't mean users in general, because users、uh, is, is this like tiny little group that、uh, have you know、uh, a touch point with my products. But when I look at what I do, I realize that well, I do it for a broader audience. I I do have、uh, tiny. Minuscule impact on society in general, and it's microscopic. You can't even measure it, but it adds up.、Uh, user base expands, users impact other people, and so on. So it's like、uh, it's an avalanche. You know, it starts with a little snowball that you design,、mm-hmm. and then from there. Uh, the impact could be tremendous. Of like, just small decisions that you make、uh, can lead lead a long way. And when I think of that,、uh, I can't imagine making really well informed decisions. And again, this is just my take on this. Without being connected to people, without being close to people, without expanding、mm-hmm. like constantly expanding my social circles. Not because I'm looking for. Connections for the sake of connections, you know.、Uh, I don't find a lot of value in going on events, conferences, talks, or anything for the sake of exchanging business cards, adding someone on LinkedIn, and just moving on.、Mm. I'd rather find one person that I connect and click with, and vibe with. Again, feeling so old for the third time. Yeah, but. <laughs> Rather than have ten、yes. strangers on my LinkedIn, you know, and、yeah. 
10 people who don't really care about me because the end uh, of the I day, completely agree, yes. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't really bring you much value, does it? it it's quality over quantity. Yeah. Don't yeah. just focusing on the how many connections you made on LinkedIn or how many people how many people's name cards you store in your name card book. But if I don't do, do that... People still use name card book nowadays. Oh, I think so they do. They're older I, than you. I think they do. Uh, the, there's actually... Uh, a lot of people so okay it depends on which which market we're talking about definitely mm-hmm. uh, there's business cards with uh like nft tags these days which are pretty uh, fun you can use name drop now have you used that feature uh i haven't i haven't i'm a little bit of a dinosaur so uh, yeah i'll show you next weekend uh yeah anyway so back to that topic yes uh yeah, yeah it's not just that focusing on how many name cards you collect in my book? Yeah, uh, how many connections? I'm, I'm 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 constantly trying to focus on learning as much as I can uh, about people, mm-hmm. uh, getting different perspectives on life in general, uh, finding new connections beyond just the realm of design. There are people I'd rather just hang out with. Like we go on cycling trips, right? And we won't be discussing mm-hmm. design because why would we do that? We have. Uh, other things to talk about, right? Yeah, the, there are there are lots of people who I would come across at design events or people who would find my accessibility newsletter and reach out to me. Mm-hmm. And then again, it is getting different perspectives. It is learning from them. It is, uh, in some cases, interviewing them. In some cases, just chatting with them. In some cases, just mm-hmm. learning of the struggles, challenges, and pains. So I think. Thinking of that, uh, digital presence, physical presence too, uh, they don't really have to be aimed at, you know, making you a an influencer of sorts. Yeah, it's only an approach. Y- yeah, you, it's a way. You don't have yeah. to strive for, you know, being a content creator or anything, but you can definitely leverage it to uh, to get to know people a little better. To get different perspectives yeah. in life and to diversify, you know, the the pool of contacts, and uh, to and in this case, I think it is the uh, the mental state that I find myself in a lot. And when I get to meet people who don't, for instance, don't travel much, uh, you can mm-hmm. you can feel how different uh, the the worldview is when you take people who stay in the same place for their entire life as compared to people who get out, uh, who go to a foreign country, who study somewhere else, uh, who meet friends abroad and so on. And if you don't go to physical events like meetups, uh, but you do it online, you pretty much get the same uh, the same outcome. So again, you don't have to you don't have to go to to conferences or anything. Okay, yeah, put put that aside. But having building a little digital community around your persona or joining a community uh, that is already established is an opportunity to to effectively get better at what you do, and hopefully also improve the quality of your life by bringing some new people and new energies and new vibes vibes yeah 
I, I, I lost count how many times you're feeling old. <laughs> so do I. Well, yes. I'm I'm approaching I'm approaching my thirties slowly but gradually. So that's my last ditch attempt to remind myself that I've still got a lot of energy and I need to use that energy to yeah. to do as many things as I can while I still can. Uh, you know what? I, I I hope our podcast will still survive by the time when you reach thirty, and maybe we can actually come back to this topic again by then. Uh, you know, when I reached my thirty, uh, my friend told me so. Basically, she was like half joking, half serious, telling me that okay, Steve, you're turning thirty tomorrow. Tell me when you wake up in the morning, which part of your body start to ache, <laughs> because. There must be one part of your body is painful on your first date of thirty when you are in the thirties club, not in the twenties club. Just tell me which part. For my case, it's back, and I want to know which part is yours. And surprisingly, you know, my thirty years old, my birthday, I went for the hike, and I still feel like well, I'm, there's not much of my body changed, and I assume I'm still very energetic as I was compared to twenty years old. And then, well, I didn't know that it's actually a delayed response. So after that day hike, <laughs> following day on the second day of my thirties, oh, there, so it started with the back, and then your legs and your feet. But I think、um, it's also very similar <laughs> to how a lot of people start networking. I have friends who、mm-hmm. reach out to me these days.、Uh, people with. Much more experience than myself. People who have been around for years and years. When I was still、mm-hmm. a kid, they were building businesses, but they reach out because they stopped networking at some point, and now they want、mm-hmm. to go back, but they need to catch up, and they have a lot of catching up to do, because the rules of engagement constantly change. And now,、mm-hmm. when they're no longer in the twenties, so the anxiety that, as I was saying, I'm dealing with, and a lot of young people around me are dealing with as well, it's、mm-hmm. it's gone right now. They know that、uh, the time they have is obviously limited、uh, as much as anybody else's. It's just that they've learned to appreciate every moment of it. They know that they want to make the most of it, and they also know why they need it, why they need to build their social presence, why they need to go out, or why they need to produce something for the communities, why they need to write articles, record videos, or anything. And、mm-hmm. in their case, they need to learn it from scratch because they haven't done this in a while. Back in their days, it's usually the case of people who. You know, were they at the very beginning,、uh, who had the the blogs way before the blogs were even a thing, the homepage, you know, like in static、mm-hmm. HTML and all was a thing, and then they were kind of not really interested in all of this. And I do have a few examples of people just like that. So now they're getting back. Now they yeah, but I yeah, I I think it's just a it's it's basically the same thing, but. Appearing in different generation in different format, so maybe in our granddad generation, people networking by 
going to saloon or I mean not saloon. Did 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 did, saloon. did your granddad grow up in the <laughs> you know wild west? <laughs> Grabbing okay, a revolver. Okay. Might... I'm a designer. Where can I shoot some goons? <laughs> okay, and then we start to have a catalog, and then you try to put lots of、um, effort in writing. You write a lot of flyers, and you know, actually, before Facebook was introduced, people in universities connecting each other by putting by making their own flyers and then putting on the notice board of the student dormitory. It's just that、uh, we we、yeah. never moved as fast as we do right now, and networking and community,、uh, in general, has definitely changed in its role in landing you jobs, opportunities, helping you grow. It had also transformed from being that,、uh, you know, power that you can leverage, to becoming basically a necessity. Because again, I. For example, I don't think we will be living in a metaverse. For instance, I don't believe in people actually embracing the whole、uh, digital world、uh, concept that much. But I do think that the value of communities, the value of the digital space that you build around yourself, the value of your、mm-hmm. personal brand, for that matter. Is becoming more and more apparent, and I don't think that in the next say twenty years,、uh, there will be、uh, there will be many hermits and people who would you know openly defy those those、uh, unspoken social rules, so to speak.、Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it will completely vanish. You know it. It shouldn't be a thing that you are forced to 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 communicate with the others. It shouldn't be a thing that、mm-hmm. there's no way around. If you don't have, say, a LinkedIn account, you're not getting a job. It is yeah, weird, exactly. But yeah, it's weird. At the same time, we also have cases when employers check your your Twitter and your Facebook, and if you don't have social accounts, this is、uh-huh. suspicious. Like they they suspect. Oh yes,、uh, they they start、Seriously? suspecting that. Well, maybe you're a secret、uh, Nazi who's got those like anonymous accounts and doing all those dark and shady and bad stuff online and bullying people and harassing someone. But、uh, yeah, so you're not disclosing your account, <laughs> and that、mm-hmm. implies that it, you either are. An antisocial human being, which、oh. they feel like does not belong in their culture, or as in like corporate culture, or that you may actually be one of the internet trolls or an individual th- that is not. I、welcome. think you're too put into too many assumptions here. Oh no! I mean, it 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 is not really an assumption. It is the case because.、Uh, Many organizations these days we don't see that as much in, for instance, Asia yet.、Uh, again, luckily,、uh, the instances of that do happen in the West. And if you apply to companies in the West, and in in many forms, you will see, please provide your social links, and they would still facilitate、uh, background checks. And part of that would be the assessment of the content that you post online. So it is doing you a favor because if you do have a very good social presence, again, 
it gives you connections, it gives you opportunities, uh, knowledge, support, a lot of that. But if you do have uh, a, let's say, uh, you are very open about certain things that you should probably not exhibit at all, and your social profile is full of bigotry, hatred, and so uh, that is a massive red flag. So employers are trying to identify those and uh, not hire them at all. So in a way, it's a double-edged sword, but if you are not on social, uh, there are companies who would consider that a red flag as well. Never know that, but... <laughs> Well, actually, I don't think that's the right way. Oh, me neither. But somehow, uh, yeah, it 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 is implied that well, we live in a society. Digital uh world is as much part of this society now as anything else. So if you do not have digital presence, uh, are you not well socialized? How will you then mm. uh join the? corporate world how will you then immerse in the corporate culture <laughs> i think we can and we should do one episode about this like dare to be different or dare to to be true uh as a designer being true uh and being different yes absolutely uh being a bigot being a bully uh we never condone that behavior we never uh, we, we we would never advocate for anyone who is being true to their horrible self and does not want to reflect on the horrible beliefs and does not want to rethink their life if they're a bully. Uh, but I think in general, getting back to the topic of being an introvert in the digital world, I think what we see today is uh, on the one hand we have lots of communities both online and offline that emerge we have companies that leverage that to source for talent we have people who build the brands who build their tiny communities around the, the personas and it gives you as an individual as a designer, as a creative, uh, an opportunity to be better, to grow, to connect, uh, to make friends. At the same time, you are under a lot of pressure. Whether it's a societal pressure, you are uh, expected to produce content. You are expected to have a nice LinkedIn page. You are expected to have social accounts and be active there. Uh, it does force you to get out of your comfort zone, which may not be uh, well received by everyone. And at the end of the day, it may even force you to abandon, like you said, your authenticity because you would be trying to come off as someone who you aren't really because people expect you to do certain things because they're popular, they're trendy and things you do want to do uh, while they're just not really well received. We know it's always been the case, 
we know a lot of authors that would write and publish books that everybody except them would love. Uh, we know of a lot of artists and a lot of musicians that would create beautiful pieces of art that nobody would care about. And then they would write one song that would make them incredibly famous and they would hate it. Yeah, I, I think maybe I should go back and started looking, maybe started to read about my my post on 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 Twitter or on posts to be yeah, about babies. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> do do be very, very careful with the things you post, though. In general, with the things you say, uh, online or offline, you know, offending anyone is not a really good thing. Uh, but I think that my personal lesson and the thing that I'm trying to learn and practice more of is I should not be afraid uh, of getting out and socializing with the others. And I should not see this as a chore. I should not see this as a job. I should try and enjoy it. And I should try to put all the insecurities aside because people are not there to judge me. People are not there uh, to blame me for not being, you know, uh, for not having an authentic accent or for not speaking properly or for not producing beautiful designs as they expect me to uh being authentic self is well is the best way for you to 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 join a community and build a community and i should not try uh, to find an excuse every time i need to get out and socialize i should just go and try because worst thing that's going to happen is not as bad as all the opportunities that I'm going to miss if I don't do it. Yep, just go and keep trying. You will never know what's going to happen next. So embrace the unknowns and prepare for the adversity. I mean, how bad can it go? Well, we do know what's going to happen next. What is going to happen next for Paper and Paint Steve? What we see is now we're already coming to the end of the season one and we want to go out and reach out more designers. So in the following episodes, probably we're going to put in the season two, we want to go out and reach out to those designers from Southeast Asia region. And we'll be having a few connections from Philippines, Indonesia, Malaysia, Vietnam, possibly Thailand if we can. And yeah. We want to go there out, go there, go out and talk to more people and understand the struggles and making some meaningful connections along the way. Who knows? We're going to make some good friends there. We do believe that uh, there is a lot that we can learn from each other. There's a lot that we can learn from each other's experiences. There's a lot of unique perspectives for us to gain uh, from leaders in those markets, from people work there and there's a lot of things that we as designers can teach each other uh, at the same time it is our attempt to discover local authenticity if you will uh, 
I personally do feel like we are being watered down a little bit by the globalized uh, capitalist world that prioritizes uh, particular financial goals over anything that is true and authentic. It is not disguised as such. So what we want to do is we want to reach out and we want to chat. So uh, feel free to drop us an email at hi uh, at paperandpaint.com. The email will be in the description of that episode. Uh, and we will start releasing the second season episodes really soon. Talking to designers, leaders, and craftsmen in Southeast Asia and even beyond very soon. So stay in tune and thank you for watching. Sorry, I mean, thank you for listening today. <laughs> Maybe we should do a video one day. Perhaps that's that's a good idea for for season three. Maybe yeah, we stay do tuned a for that at some point. Stay tuned. But until then, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, it was paper and pain. I'm still Christian. I'm still Steve, and we'll see you very soon in the next episode. Have a good night. <laughs>